Good morning. I, 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 uh, I'm out of my uh, normal routine of what we do every morning, right? No. Praise the Lord for what he's doing in us and through us and even using us a little bit to encourage missions um, that are happening around the world. So I'm just thankful to the Lord for that. Uh, if this is your first time here, welcome. Uh, so glad that you could join us this morning. My name's David. I'm one of the pastors. Ruben here uh, is going to be teaching in our Spanish service. Um, he's also a pastor. We're, we're a church that doesn't have just one senior pastor, but actually we do. His name's Jesus. Um, and, uh, but we're a church that has multiple languages, one hope um, in our Lord and Savior, the head of our church, Jesus Christ. Um, I hope uh, these last couple of weeks, as we've been talking about being ambassadors for Christ, uh, that you have got to just look at your own life, look at God's hand in your life in a fresh new way, uh, that he has, as one who has been reconciled to God, God has now brought you in to be a part of this ministry of reconciliation to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ to those who are around you. So I hope that God is using this time to encourage and challenge you as he encourages and challenges me. Um, we have, in this series now, just been going through into a deeper dive into the various elements of the gospel. And we started off with, with the dark background of the good news. The dark background is, is us as sinners. And our first memory verse, we've got memory verses this time, uh, of, was Romans 3.23. We looked at, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Very good. We've all sinned. And then there's a verse that wasn't technically a memory verse, but it's easy to remember. It goes right along with that. If you can remember 3.23, there's 6.23. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life, Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. It's almost like we're earning death. It's a wage. Um, another way that that's put in Romans chapter 2 um, is that we're in, in our sin, we're storing up wrath for the day of wrath. There is this day. If you go to the end of this book, there's a day where there's a, there's a big white throne. It's a judgment day. And, and there's, there's wrath that, that a world condemned in, in sin is, is facing is that day. It's, it's like a court date of all humanity. Um, but then we looked that not only are we sinners, but we are loved by God. God sent his son. We looked at Romans 5, 8, that God has demonstrated his, or has shown his love, whichever version you're going from, He's shown his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for us so that through faith in Christ, we wouldn't be condemned. And, and it's almost like um, for, for someone who puts their faith in Christ, if you think of that as our court date, you know, that we don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but there is going to be this date, court date, that we're all going to be judged God's righteous judgment. But that date has moved up to that moment that someone puts their faith in Christ. And if, if you just envision it as, as this faith court that has now just been moved up to that moment to say, no, okay, now 
God's justice and righteousness and his love simultaneously is going to be displayed in that moment of faith. And this sinner is going to be declared righteous by the blood of Christ. And the gavel comes down. That's what happens in the moment of faith. The court date moved up. And God's justice is shown to the powers, to, to, to the angels and to demons and to Satan it is shown. No, this sinner is now declared righteous and God's glory is shown, his justice is shown, his righteousness is shown. And, and in that moment, we're told that angels rejoice when a sinner turns to Christ. This morning, um, if you're considering that moment as kind of a courtroom, when we exit that courtroom, justice has been served. Our sin has been paid for. But, but where does that leave us with respect to God? The normal, in, normally in our experience of of two parties leaving a courthouse, it doesn't matter if, if justice is served and everything and equity is there and it's all, it's all right legally. Those parties don't tend to, to hug and be real friendly to each other, right? That's not our normal experience. And in fact, I'm coming out of this where the payment for my sin has all been laid on the person of God's son. So where does that leave me with respect to God? This morning, we're going to look at the next step of love that we have in God, and it's his forgiveness. And our first point in the notes is that forgiveness opens the door to relationship. Forgiveness opens the door to relationship. All of that history, my sin placed on the Son of God, while it still seems like it would be between me and God, God's forgiveness removes that, puts it out of the way so that now I can have a relationship. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, this morning just for evidence of your hand, whether it's in land that you've given us or it's the work that you're doing around the world. God, the work that you're doing in us right now as your ambassadors, um, God, I, I confess that I can't do justice in describing your forgiveness, the glory of your salvation in our lives and what you have called us to and your, your great love for us. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just be in this place to show us your glory as we open your word and the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So I do have a memory verse for us this morning, and, and if we take this analogy of this faith courthouse that has been brought up and, and it's for this moment of faith, when we exit that, we don't go back. We don't have to go re-enter the judgment seat. That, that has now been completed in Christ. And so if you picture as you're leaving that building and you look back, over the doorway is Romans 8.1. And that's our memory verse. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. A world condemned, a sinner condemned has turned to Christ 
Judgment now has been made. That work is finished. We never have to face that again. When we go to the great white throne, we'll be there, but our name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. We won't face judgment. We'll face entering eternal life with Christ. So let's, let's read that together. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Again, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're feeling right now, I don't know how your week has been, but there are times when the enemy will attack and he'll say, what business do you have calling yourself a Christian? What business do you have thinking that, that, that you can be used by God for his glory? That you, you're an ambassador for Christ. Look at what you did this week. Look at what you did today. And, and if he could, he would drag us back into that courtroom, but he's not able to. He can only try to deceive us. He's, he's described as the accuser of the saints. He's, he's one who would try to bring us back to that stand. And yet Christ is there, our advocate before the Father, constantly. An advocate for us to say, no, this is this one I've paid for. So let's read it one more time. And if, it, if there is something in your life that Satan has been trying to bring into your memory to say, no, you, you are condemned by this. We need to know. Let's read it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what we're gonna talk about this morning is the forgiveness of God. This is outside of that courtroom now. We're not talking about standing before uh, you know, almighty God in judgment. Now we're talking about walking in faith with God our Father. We have been made a child of God. And so as we're talking about forgiveness, it's in a whole new context. Don't try to put us back into that courtroom. We're outside of that now. We're walking in faith with Jesus Christ. So our first look now um, is how forgiveness opens the door to relationship with God. And I, if you could turn with me to 1 John chapter 1, I want to look at this. So something that comes up, when I was in youth group, I remember it coming up, uh, it's come up in our youth group as well, um, is this idea of, wait a second, if, if we never enter that courtroom again, my sin has been paid for why does it matter if I sin? Why does it matter? And when we say that, we're not understanding what it means to be reconciled to God. We're not understanding what it means to be saved from sin to a purpose that's God's glory, that, that we have fallen short of before in our sin, but now God is bringing us to his glory. It's, it's turning away from sin to reconciliation, relationship, fellowship with God. So let's look now in, in 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. 
If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Your fellowship with God, it, it, it's light. There isn't darkness in God and fellowship with God. And so for us to, to carry sin along, we're not going to be able to walk in fellowship with God. Remember, we're not, we're not in the courthouse now. We're outside of that talking about relationship with the Father. And our sin, when we sin, stands between us and God. That's, that's something we can't take into the presence of God. And so it's saying, no, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. It's not possible to be in fellowship with God, close relationship with God while we continue in our sin. In verse six, uh, sorry, in verse seven, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say, I don't have any sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We all have sin. Verse nine, critically important. Come back to this over and over again in our walk with Christ, in our walk with the Father. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When my sin stands between me and God in fellowship with the Father, and I recognize that and I, and I repent of that sin, I say, this is, this is sin, God, and I confess that to the Lord, what does he do? He forgives that. What is forgiveness? It's, it's removing that. He no longer counts that against us. It's, it's been paid for. Why is he just in doing that? Because that happened in the courthouse already. Jesus already paid for that sin. But now in relationship, he removes that. How far does he remove that? The psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west, he removes our sin from us. Uh, that's just a, another way of saying farther than we can imagine. That, that God now has removed that out of the way. So that's not a factor in our relationship fellowship with God. And if I sin again, what can I do? I can do the same thing over again. Confess that to God. He's ready and available to forgive that sin and remove that from our relationship so that I can continue in fellowship with the Father. Um, I experienced, I, we've all experienced this in our lives. Uh, I've told my testimony a number of times of how uh, for the first 20 years of our marriage, I held on to a secret. It was, it was an addiction to pornography. And I fought it. I said, Lord, I'd, you know, free me of this sin. And yet again and again, I found myself back into it. In the midst of that, every time I brought it to the Lord, every time I brought it and confessed it and said, God, I don't want this in my life and repented of it, he forgave me. He washed me clean by the Holy Spirit. I was able to re-enter fellowship with my father. And then I fell again. And as I, as I was walking, dealing with that sin over and over again, God was leading me to a place where I would finally have the courage to make that known to my wife. And now in light, I'm able to actually experience freedom from that sin. 
But we will always have sin, whatever it is. We will always have sin come up, and we need to constantly be coming back and confessing that to the Lord. In that time, um, after it was 2017, November, um, I brought that to my wife. And there's a passage from David, King David, um, in Psalms chapter 32 that became just really special to me after that time. Um, King David, if you, if you know his story at all, he, uh, everything was golden, beautiful kingdom. He was a man after God's own heart. Um, and then he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then he ended up committing murder and trying to cover that up uh, against her husband, Uriah. And, and finally, his sin was known. And he confessed it. And God forgave him. We're talking about forgiveness. God removed it so that he could have a relationship, close fellowship with God again. And so we read in chapter 32 of Psalms, Starting in verse 1, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. In other words, who has no reason to hide. You know how blessed it is to not have to hide? If, it, if we, One test to see if something has an element of sin to it is if there's shame. If we feel like we need to hide it, there's probably some kind of sin involved. When, when we have no sin, when we are, when we are cleansed and, and clean in fellowship with God, there is nothing to hide. And then he describes in verse 3 and 4 what it was like when he, when he was in hiding. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all, all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. And in verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. You removed it. You forgave my sin. God is good. God is good. But it gets better. It's not just that God has has allowed us to have this relationship and fellowship with him, but coming right along with that is that forgiveness opens the door to relationship with my brothers and sisters. In fact, it, it goes together. It's tied together. Our, our forg- God's forgiveness for us is tied together with our forgiveness for each other. And that fellowship that we have with God is tied together with the fellowship that we have Together, um, look with me in Matthew chapter 6. The Lord's Prayer. Jesus is showing us uh, a way to pray. And he's already talked about that when we pray, uh, good things to pray about is, is that his name would be great, that his kingdom would come, that, that it would be here on earth just as it is in heaven and for our provision And then he says in verse 12 of chapter 6, Matthew, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts. That's that's sin between me and God. The things that I have done that now are a debt 
to God. Forgive us those just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Those are connected. He says, you're gonna be praying this all the time and you need to connect these two things. And he expounds on it um, in verse 15 uh, or verse 14. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespass. If I don't get it right here, it's not going to get right here. What is, what is this forgiveness about? When someone hurts me, when someone sins against me. That becomes something that I'm holding on to, right? It, it, and, and the thing I'm holding on to demands justice. Justice is a good thing. It is a good thing. Righteousness and justice. It, someone has, has, has done something against me and justice would demand, that, and fairness would demand that something is done in kind. And, and if I go to the Old Testament, that's what it was. It, they have all of these laws about how if, if this happens, then here's the consequence of it. And, and fairness and justice is a good thing. And so now I'm holding on to this thing that's demanding justice. I have been hurt. This thing I'm holding on to is heavy. Not for the one who hurt me, it's heavy for me. What does God want me to do with this? To demand fairness? To demand payment? You know, sometimes even, even when something has been paid, that, that this hurt to me now uh, has been paid for, hurt on the other side, I still don't let go of the memory of this. How many relationships from your past is there still difficulty that when you meet, there's, there's an awkwardness or, or maybe there's a hostility there even still. How much of that on your part is something that you're still holding the memory of an event? How heavy is that in your life? What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is saying, it's okay if justice is not done. It's, it's opening yourself up because this serves as protection in my life. Unfortunately, this is true in even the closest relationships, even in, even in marriage where, you know, if my stack of what you've done against me, is somewhat close to the size of the stack of what I've done against you, we're okay. Right? And at any moment in time, if I'm threatened by something, oh, I did something wrong. Now, I, I have offended and, and I have hurt this person in my life, whether it's, whether it's just a brother or sister in Christ, if it's my spouse. I have hurt them. 
and they're coming at me for justice, I can go, wait, but look, you hurt me too. And now I have a protection against that. Forgiveness removes that. There's a humility to forgiveness because I'm saying I'm not going to stand up for myself against what you might bring. I'm not going to bring up the past. I'm going to actually forget the past. So what God, what's God saying? He's saying if, if I'm going to forget the past with respect to you, I'm going to take the sin that is between us and throw it as far as the east is from the west. The best you can do is just chuck this as far as you can. It's not gonna be as far as the east is from the west. But take those things that are in your life that are, that are those things that you would count against people. God says, if you wanna have fellowship with me, even says in Mark, if, if, your, if your prayers are gonna be heard, if you're going to have power in, in this relationship with God, you've got to take these things that are unforgiveness, justice. It's not necessarily things that are, it's an unrighteous or, or wrong thinking to say that the, these things demand justice. But God says what? Justice belongs to him. God does care about justice. He does care about what this demands, but it's not for us to pay now. As ones who have not had justice laid on us, but have been laid on Christ, now there's two ways that justice will be done. God does care that justice is done, and it will either be through his son, which if you're dealing with a brother and sister in Christ, justice for their sin has already been paid on Christ. So we have no business holding on to that. We need to let these go. What about for those who don't know Christ in my life? Justice will be done there too. It'll either be done in the moment that they turn to Christ and justice for everything that they've done against you and against anyone, against God, will be paid on the person of Jesus Christ or they'll face justice on that court date, the final day. Forgiveness opens the door to relationship. Here's the glory of God. We feel like, how difficult it is God to take these things? I don't want to take these things and toss them away. I don't want to take these things and not count them against those people who have hurt me. But then I've seen the glory of God when in obedience we do that. Not only do we enjoy then an intimate fellowship with the Father that wasn't there before because I got rid of these things in my life, but we start to enjoy relationship like we've never enjoyed relationship with those around us in a whole new way. When in your marriage, these, you push this wall over, you throw it as far as you can, 
and your, your spouse still holds that wall, who are you trusting? You're trusting God to be your advocate. You're trusting the love of Christ. You're humiliating yourself before those who would hurt you, hopefully not continue to hurt you. That's what Christ did. But then to see healing in your marriage, when you start to break down that wall, see if that doesn't encourage your spouse to say, oh, I don't need to hold on to these things either. When you become transparent, when we became transparent about my sin, that introduced a new level of transparency in our marriage that there was things broken we didn't even know were broken, that God began to fix immediately. When you break down walls because of unforgiveness, things that you're holding on to from the past, and you say, I am not going to hold on to that any longer. I'm going to give that to the Lord. Because God, I can't throw these things very far. It's a brick. <laughs> I'm going to throw it, and I'm going to still see it laying over there. And honestly, that's what happens. You, we try to say, no, I'm not going to count that anymore. And I throw it as far as I can, and then a couple weeks later, I stumble over it. What do we do? We make it a practice that as soon as this thing comes up again, we refuse. We refuse to use that, and we say, no, this is forgiven, and we throw it. Throw it every time. That's the same as taking thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. That thought comes up into my mind to say, oh, I'm, I'm so irritated at what this person is doing. What about that time? Wait, no, I'm not bringing that up. That's forgiven. Throw that. Don't allow that. Submit to Christ. The glory of God. Trust him and see what he'll do in your relationships when you refuse to hold on to these. So forgiveness opens the door to relationship with God. It opens the door, relationship with my brothers and sisters. It opens the door to relationship with the world. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And it's in the context of the world that we may find the greatest injustice done to us. Our brothers and sisters, we're gonna be praying next weekend about the persecuted church around the world. There's brothers and sisters that we have that just terrible injustice is being done to them. What is the example that we had in Christ? On the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The greatest injustice ever. Jesus paying the penalty for my sin. And we see that also in Stephen in the book of Acts. As he's, he's just given this long sermon and, and, and now they've taken him to, and they're, they're stoning him to death. And his last words, God, don't count this against them. They don't know what they're doing. Let's look, look with me in 1 Peter, I think chapter 2. The example of Christ, chapter 2 and verse 23. It says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in, in return. When he suffered... He did not threaten, 
but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That's where we go. Whether it's between us and other believers, if it's between us and the world, we're entrusting ourselves to God who is the one who will judge justly. We're taking that out of our hands and leaving it to God. Example of Christ. says in verse 24, this is our motivation. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. What business do we have bringing justice to a world when justice has been served on Christ and what he wants us to do is be, be ambassadors of his love to the world? The power of grace, if you haven't seen it, when you refuse in whatever context, justice can be the smallest thing. That, that waitress, that server, uh, they just totally messed up. Um, I had the other day, a uh, waitress came and brought me coffee. She brought the cup but didn't put anything in it. You know, it Justice. No, she's not going to get a tip. No. What does God want us to be as his children? Those who love and bless without equity, without a balance to that, to say, no, you do me wrong, I'm going to love you back. You hurt me, I'm going to love you back. And you, well, you may be surprised at the power of grace that when the world sees that in you, they're going to be going, what in the world? This doesn't make sense. You should be responding in kind. You were just hurt. Why aren't you responding in kind to that hurt? Instead, you're blessing this person that just hurt you. That opens doors for the gospel. As ambassadors for Christ, this is one of the most powerful tools that we have is forgiveness. Praise the Lord. For the glory of his grace. Not only has he loved us and saved us, but by his grace he has forgiven us. We can have a close relationship with the Lord because our sin has been removed from us. As we sing and worship the Lord, let's just praise him for that. We have a relationship with him because our sin has been removed. That should be our motivation. It's his forgiveness that drives us to forgive. If I'm having a hard time throwing this, I should just look no further than my own sin that God has forgiven. And motivated by that, extend his grace to those in my life. Let's worship. Father, we do stand forgiven. Forgiven, God, at the cross. Not that we deserve it, God. It's your love towards us. It's your grace that we can have forgiveness. God, just how glorious your purpose that, that in you is light. And God, that unity that's between the Father and the Son in perfect relationship, you want us to be a part of that. Not individually, God, but together. 
And so as, as we deal with difficult topics of, of forgiveness on our own part, God, to match the forgiveness that you've given us, God, help us to just know and, and to rejoice and to look forward to the glory of your purpose in that, that we would be united in you, in the light that is in your presence. God, we want that. It's worth it. It was worth it to you to go to the cross for that. God, it's worth it to us to lay down our own lives for that purpose that you have in us and in our community. God, we love you. We praise you, Lord Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen.